from Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 10 and 16 through 23. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps could give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions." Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that, so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then, at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. These are the words of our Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. You guys doing well? Outstanding. You happy to be here? Yes. Excellent. I'm happy to be here. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Desert Breeze Community Church. Also want to welcome those of you that are on YouTube Live right now. We can see you. Okay, maybe we can, but you can see us. It's good to have you. Daniel's our current teaching series, Shining in a Dark World. Be Disciplined is the title of this weekend's message. If you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel 6. 
We read verses 1 through 10, 16 through 23. We'll try to cover most of this chapter here today. Uh, Let me bring you up to speed. The people of God are in Babylonian exile, and we're learning from the first six chapters um, how we can make a difference in this world, how we can shine in a dark world. We're learning that from Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's their Babylonian names. And so in chapter one, we learn to be different. Chapter two, be real. Chapter three, be courageous. Chapter four, be humble. Chapter five, be wise. And now we're gonna talk about being disciplined. Now take a look at your sermon notes here. Let's talk about spiritual disciplines. How many by show of hands know what spiritual disciplines are? Show of hands. Yep, so what are spiritual disciplines? You can yell them out to me. What are some spiritual disciplines? Church, prayer, Bible, yep, all of the above, all of that. Yeah, it's what you're doing right now. In fact, look at your notes here. Spiritual disciplines, also known as habits of grace, are activities that are not about earning God's favor. You knew that, didn't you? You're not earning God's favor or twisting God's arm, but this is what it's about. It's about putting ourselves in the path of God's amazing grace and increasing our capacity to enjoying Jesus, enjoying Jesus so that we can thrive spiritually. That's a great definition of spiritual disciplines, um, of habits of grace. Enjoying Jesus is the goal. See, when we talk about being disciplined, it's not a technique to be mastered. Once again, you hear me say this a lot. It's a person to encounter, to engage, to enjoy. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Being a Christian is being a follower of Christ. It's knowing Christ. It's walking with Christ. Our tendency oftentimes in the Christian life is we focus on being like Christ more than we focus on being with Christ, but it's in being with Christ we become like Christ. Don't focus on being like Christ, focus on being with Him. And that's what spiritual disciplines are about. Being with Him will make you more and more like Him. And believe me, you will thrive spiritually. You will thrive spiritually. Enjoying Jesus is a goal that will prove to be explosively transforming. I'm telling you, nothing will transform your life like being with Jesus, following Him, getting to know Him the God of the galaxies who came from heaven to earth to rescue us, to redeem us. And you walk with him daily, he will transform your life, explosively transforming and contagiously attractive. Our lives will be contagiously attractive to others when you walk with him. Now, 2 Peter 3.18 puts it this way, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, and this is what I've learned in my own life, and I'm sure you learned this too if you've walked with him for any length of time. The more I grow, the more God becomes bigger than all life's problems and better than all life's pleasures. Not that he becomes bigger and better, it's just I've increased my capacity now to experience more of who he is and what he's done for me, and it makes all the difference in my life. Now, you can see there's an equation there in your notes And if you've ever wanted to understand how do we develop godly character, here's the equation. Godly character equals spiritual disciplines plus work of the Holy Spirit plus 
suffering. Some of you right now are Xing out that suffering right there at the end. I don't want that on the equation. Anybody there? It's like, yeah, forget the suffering. I like the first part of that, but the suffering part, I'm out. Well, that's part of it, sorry. Because it's in the suffering. Suffering reveals our godly character or our ungodly character. And not only does it reveal that, but it gives us opportunity to, to press in with our spiritual disciplines and, and reliance on the work of the Holy Spirit. And so that's the spiritual equation. You can see uh, that that's our outline this morning. And this chapter shows us how we can get through the lion's dens of our life. The reason why Daniel was able to to go into the lion's den and come out unharmed is because he had godly character that was shaped by spiritual disciplines and the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. That's where we're headed with this study. So let's, uh, let's start with prayer. Let's ask for God's help as we dive into this text and unpack these notes. This is an exciting text, man. I've, I've just been just enjoying it all week. I get three opportunities to teach it, and with each time, I just get more and more lit up over this. This was really helpful for me this last week, as almost every week the text is, and so I hope it really benefits you. Let's, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father God, there is nothing we love more than spending time with you and growing in our relationship with you. Intimacy with you is life's most satisfying reality. Give us Give us greater value for spiritual disciplines, understanding those things that will help to increase our capacity to know you and to experience you. And give us greater understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and through the spiritual disciplines that we practice so that we can develop godly character, Christ-likeness, more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives unlike we've ever experienced before, the love and the joy and the peace that the world could never give to us. Help us to develop this godly character that we would not just survive, but thrive in the lion dens of life. We pray these things for our joy and your glory in Jesus' beautiful name. And everyone said, amen. Okay, so here we go. Let me give you a little bit of the background here, context. Babylon has been overthrown by the Medes and Persians. Nebuchadnezzar and all of his royal family have been killed in King Darius, or Darius, however you want to pronounce it, Darius of the Medes, now sits on the throne. Daniel is now well over 80, 80 years old, still living in captivity in Babylon and has been kept as a government official by the new king, uh, Darius. Now, let me just say this before we move on. Just because you're old, it doesn't mean you're done. Okay, do you hear that? Just because you're old, it doesn't mean you're done. I'm not as old as most of you. Oh, this is frightening. I mean, I'm only 40, you know. Okay, 50? Will you take 60? Some of you are saying, go higher. That's rude. <laughs> that hurts. Where's the, where's security? Got a couple guys on the front row that keep going, ah, keep going higher, higher, okay. Okay, no, I'm in my mid-60s and I'm not done yet, okay, I'm just telling you. I'm not ready for retirement. At some point, God will maybe redirect me, but I'm gonna continue to be busy for Jesus. Okay, and you need to be busy for Jesus too and keep going. Just because you retire from your vocation doesn't mean you retire from your devotion to Christ. We get this weird idea here in American culture did you know it's called retirement? 
We're all shooting for retirement. You retire and waste the rest of your life playing shuffleboard and hope your retirement account outlives you. And then you're doing that just before you take your last breath on earth and the first breath in heaven to stand before God and give an account of your life. What are you gonna do, show him your shuffleboard scores? That's insane. That's crazy. No, man, you need to run hard to the finish. Run hard all the way out for Jesus. Daniel's 80. Oh, my goodness. It's absolutely amazing. God has ministry for you to do until he takes you home. And the older you get, the more experience and wisdom you are gaining, and you need to pass that on to the next generation. Listen to me. (laughs) The next generation desperately needs to have that experience and wisdom. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, just look at the next generation. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be offensive. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, the next generation needs to get a clue. And it's our responsibility to pass it on to them. We got to keep busy, keep telling them about Jesus, keep proclaiming the word of God to them. Okay, okay, enough of that. So Daniel will have served for 70 plus years as a government official under four kings, not including uh, Belshazzar's father, who's kind of out in the desert somewhere. So you got Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, uh, Darius, and then eventually Cyrus. Here's what's interesting about Daniel, is that he's always at or near the top of the government. And what he did, he didn't assimilate with the culture, he didn't separate, but he infiltrated and became an influencer of the people and the culture for his God. He is in the world, but not of the world, just as God has called us. So let's talk about this, let's look at this equation. Let's start with godly character. So remember the equation is where we're going. So how can I have godly character? We're gonna talk about uh, Daniel's godly character here, and the godly character equals spiritual disciplines plus Holy Spirit plus suffering. We'll end the story with him in the lion's den. And so here we go, godly character, spiritual formation. Now, here's the question. Why does Daniel get such a high promotion again under this next king? Because Daniel was a person of, here's your first fill in the blank, integrity. Daniel was a person of integrity. Integrity means who you are when no one is watching. And when you have integrity, believe me, you will be unshakable. Look at verses one and two of our text. Keep your Bibles open. We'll keep referring back to the text. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three, three high officials of whom Daniel was one, notice this, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. I don't know if you noticed that. So, so Darius had suspected correctly that his officials were lining their pockets through the abuse of their power in office. Not uncommon to today that happens in politics. And uh, these guys were overtaxing the people and underpaying the king. So here's what integrity is. Integrity is consistent and uncompromising adherence to strong moral and ethical principles and values. I mean, you, you have a standard that you live by and you do not deviate from that standard. 
You have strong moral and ethical principles and values. So, so it would be the difference between being reactive versus proactive. People that are reactive to the people, things, and circumstances of life would, would lack integrity. People that are proactive would be people that, that have integrity. So reactive people are more like a thermometer. You bring a thermometer in this room, and the thermometer will go high or low based on the temperature in the room. So when you're reactive, you tend to be a bit bipolar. You just kind of like, you know, with the circumstances of life, you're just riding a crazy wild roller coaster. And the people and how they respond to you. And so people that are reactive, they're more like a thermometer. Their behavior is the product of feelings based on the circumstances, based on the people, based on the things around them. They're up and down, up and down, to where people that are proactive, like Daniel here, who has integrity, their life is more like a thermostat. The thermostat sets the environment, brings the environment in with them. They're not dependent upon the environment, the highs and lows of the environment, but they bring it with them. Their life is more like a thermostat. Their behavior is the product of choices based on values, regardless of how people treat them, regardless of the circumstances of, of their life. They're gonna, for instance, our values are we're gonna love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, love our neighbors ourselves. That's our value, regardless of how people treat us, regardless of the circumstances of life. That's integrity. People can, you know, come after me and say mean and nasty things about me, but I'm gonna continue to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm gonna love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to live by that. So when you're proactive, you're more like a thermostat. Your behavior is the product of choices based on your values as opposed to being uh, based on your feelings or your, as a product of your feelings based on circumstance. Okay, that's the first one. That's, that's Daniel. He's got that integrity. Who you are when no one is watching and he's unshakable. That will make you unshakable in the circumstances of life. Here's the next one. Daniel was a, was a man of excellence. Excellence is doing the best with all the experience and enthusiasm you have. And believe me, that will make you unstoppable. Look at verses, uh, just verse 3 here. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all. Isn't that fascinating? Above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. It's like this guy just keeps getting promotions. There was excellence in his life. He was not only a person of integrity, but he had excellence. So what is this excellence? I think Romans 12, 11 kind of helps us to understand excellence. Excellence, uh, Paul says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That would be excellence. I always want to serve God in everything. I want to live my life for his glory. That's the idea behind that. It's like, oh my goodness. When I consider what I have in Christ Jesus, my goodness sakes, I want to honor him. That's excellence. That's excellence. And it's, the excellence needs to be contrasted with perfectionism. Perfectionism and excellence are not one and the same. Perfectionists are overly critical of themselves and constantly concerned about what others think of them. 
That's perfectionism. And so perfectionists work for their identity. There's an insecurity that drives them. There's a need to fill up their sense of who they are. And and in fact, they can never do enough. That's why they're, as I stated here, they're overly critical of themselves, constantly concerned about what others think of them. So perfectionists work for their identity. People that have excellence are working from their identity in Christ. They're not operating out of a deficit. They're operating out of an abundance of who they are in Christ Jesus, what they have in Him is more than enough. They have all of their sense of satisfaction and security and significance, as we talked about last week, in Christ Jesus. Therefore, they, when they achieve, their achievement doesn't go to their head, and when they fail, it doesn't go to their heart. So achievement doesn't inflate them, and failure doesn't deflate them, because they already have the fullness of God in their hearts and lives. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? You guys need to know that because there's a major difference between perfectionism and excellence. And so it's really the difference between religion, perfectionism, religion, and the gospel. Religion says, I obey, I got to get my act together, and therefore God will accept me and bless me. That's religion. That's not the gospel. That's not Christianity. Christianity says, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm accepted in Christ Jesus, therefore I want to obey. I want to live for His glory. And it's a great way to live. It's a great way to live. That's Daniel. And so Daniel has integrity, he's unshakable, he's got excellence, he's unstoppable, and Daniel also has trustworthiness. That's the next one. This is lasting love and loyalty in relationships. And believe me, this will make you unoffendable. I mean, Daniel is totally unoffendable. These guys are coming up, you know, they're trying to come up with all kinds of crazy accusations against Daniel. They're trying to get him put in the the lion's den. And he's just, he's kind of like, he's unoffendable. He's gonna keep rolling. So look at verses four and five. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was, there it is, he was faithful. That word faithful means trustworthy. Trustworthiness, lasting love and loyalty and relationships. He was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Now the word faithful is the same word that's used in verse 23. If you wanna look at verse 23 just for a minute in your Bibles, it says no kind of harm was found on Daniel when he comes out of the lion's den because he had trusted, same word, He had trusted in his God. So trustworthiness comes from trusting in God. The more you trust in God and in his trustworthiness towards you, once again, lasting love and loyalty and relationship, the more you will be trustworthy to others. I mean, that's great character. Now, we're in in an election cycle. During an election cycle, we're heading into midterms. There is so much mudslinging going on. I get so tired of all the commercials that are out there. 
I mean, even on YouTube. It's just like they're popping up all the time. And let me just say, don't believe anything that they're saying out there. You can't. It's just, uh, there's so much garbage out there. So, so what are we supposed to do? You gotta do your homework. You gotta do the research. Faith Family Freedom Ministry here at Desert Breeze can help you navigate that. So get in touch with the office. We'll get you in touch with those that lead that and we'll help you to navigate that. What we need, I talked about it this last weekend, we need prophets, not politicians that can be bought. You guys agree with that? We need true servant leaders, not hirelings. We got a ton of hirelings out there. We need to get them out of there and vote in people that are truly pastors and leaders. And so we need men and women who have godly values and character. That's what you're looking for. Men and women who have godly values and character, and that's what we're praying for. Those prayers up underneath the cross, take that sheet of paper that was in the bulletin, begin to pray through that as we head to our big night, of our linger night here at the end of this month as we prepare for these midterm elections. Now, Daniel is showing us that you can have good character in a bad culture. That's what he's demonstrating. Listen, I'm telling you, character matters. Not just with elected officials, but with us in the lion dens of life. You've heard me say it many times before. It's not what happens to you. It's not your circumstances. I'm not minimizing the circumstances that you're going through. Some of you in here are going through horrific, horrible circumstances. I got that. Me too. I've gone through horrible circumstances, devastating circumstances. It's not what happens to you, your circumstances, but what happens in you, your character, that either makes you or breaks you in the lion dens of life. Do you hear me? It's your character. It's your character that will get you through. That's Daniel. That's what Daniel has. That's what we need in our lives. We need this kind of character that Daniel has. Your character, lack of character is revealed in suffering. So we need integrity. That will make us unshakable. We need excellence. That'll make us unstoppable. We need trustworthiness. That'll make us unoffendable. Now, in verses six through nine, Darius is is tricked into signing a decree that imposes the death penalty upon anyone who prays to any God except the king for 30 days. (laughs) That is insane. Anybody want to play God for 30 days? Anybody here? I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll be God for 30 days, and you guys pray to me. Run, Forrest, run. (laughs) If anybody ever says that. By the way, I'm a little bit troubled sometimes when a church makes so much about the church or makes so much about the leader, and they're not making a lot about Christ. You want to go to a church that makes much of Jesus, points to Jesus. They're not trying to win you to the church or to the, or to the leader or the leaders. That's not what it's about. They should all be signposts pointing to Jesus, pointing to Jesus. That's, that's what we need more than anything. Darius plays God for 30 days. Somehow they got into his ego and, okay, nobody's going to pray to any other God except for me. I'm going to be God. Now, by the way, uh, this is the essence of sin. We all tend to do that before we come to Christ. 
See, the essence of sin is me taking God's place. I'm going to call the shots for my life. He's not going to call the shots for my life. So that's the essence of sin. The essence of salvation is God substituting himself for me on the cross, in my place, for my sins. So you can kind of see a difference between sin. Sin is me playing God. Salvation, God came and took my place so that he could reconcile me back to himself so that I could stop playing God. And I could serve the one true and living God and, and begin to do what I was created to do. So it's just a fascinating story here. So, so how do we develop character, godly character? Well, we need spiritual disciplines. This is the next point on the notes. Now watch, look at Daniel's spiritual disciplines here. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he wept and cried. He was filled with anxiety, worry, and stress. He wrung his hands. He paced in the, in the hallway of his home. That's not what it reads. This guy didn't even, it didn't even break his stride in his relationship with God. It didn't even interfere with him whatsoever. Look at, he went to his house where he, where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. You hear it? <laughs> this is good. This is good stuff. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. So here's the question. What do we learn about Daniel's prayer life or his spiritual disciplines? By the way, you also need to know that. It just wasn't just his prayer life. Daniel is not only a man of prayer, but also a man of God's word. We see that in chapter 9 as he's studying Jeremiah's writings. But what he's doing here and what's, what prayer, and by the, thing, by the way, the, the two things you need to be focusing on is God's word, prayer. God's word and prayer. I mean, there's a lot of spiritual disciplines, but ultimately it's, it's about God's word, getting into God's word, God's word getting into you, and then spending time with him in prayer and beginning to live out what you're learning in his word. And that's what you see in Daniel, it tells us in 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, it says, physical training is of some value, but spiritual training or training in godliness has value for not only this life, but the life to come. So here's my question for you. I'm gonna, I'll just give you like 20 seconds to do this because I need to tie my shoe up here before I trip on myself. So I'm gonna distract you just for a moment, okay? So I can lean down, tie my shoe. Here's my distraction. What's the difference between trying to do something and training to do something? Okay, let's, let's, let's add hiking rim, rim to rim in the Grand Canyon. What would the difference be in trying to do that versus training to go rim to rim in the Grand Canyon. Turn to the person next to you, the difference between trying and training. Real quick, discuss that with them, real quick. Okay, how many are thinking the difference between trying and training to go rim to rim in the Grand Canyon would be having the rescue helicopter on standby? 
Anybody thinking along those lines? Yeah, that's exactly the truth. Believe me, if you're going to try that, you better have your prayer circle fasting and praying for you. You're not going to be able to pull that off. But you may be able to train. Let me see if anybody here could actually train to do that. Oh, yeah, there's a few of you. Okay, a lot of you. No, I mean, it, it's difficult. My wife and I have hiked uh, Havasupai Falls and have gone with people that didn't train. Oh, you talk about high maintenance. It's like, you didn't train? Oh, man, you're not only going to be sucking wind, but we're going to be packing half of your stuff out for you. So the difference between trying and training, you can try to be a more loving, joyful, peaceful person. There are going to be people packing you out. They're going to be having to help you. And then sometimes problems and difficulties can be overwhelming, and we do need people. There's no doubt about it. I understand that. But if you want more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life, it doesn't come by trying harder. It's by training. It's, it's spiritual disciplines. Now, let's talk about spiritual disciplines, and let's look at uh, Daniel's life here. Daniel's prayer life was habitual. It was habitual. Verse 10, three times a day as he had done previously. Now, I just want to focus on this just for a moment. <laughs> as I was thinking about this this last week, it was just like, it was, it was a bit overwhelming. It, this truth is just amazing. Daniel would rather face the lion's den than to turn his face away from his faithful God. You hear that? He would rather die than to give up his intimacy with God for 30 days. What does that tell you about his relationship with God and about spiritual disciplines in general? He had a high view of God. I mean, a really high view of God. There was no law or threat of death that would keep him from intimacy with God. So let me ask you this. Do you see spiritual disciplines and your intimacy with God as being that valuable to you? To him, it was life or death. Now, the reason why it's not life or death for a lot of us is because we kind of take it for granted and we really don't value it like we, like we should. My brother-in-law, a number of years ago, I was asking my brother-in-law and I was struggling a little bit and I would see people's uh, inconsistent pattern of church attendance and Bible reading and prayer and all these things. And I said, Dave, why, why do people struggle with, the, with their spiritual disciplines? And he said to me, matter of fact, he just said, well, because they don't value it. And I go, no, 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 they value it. He goes, no, no, they don't value it. I go, no, 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 they told me they value it. They actually value, the, they told me they value church and Bible study and prayer. He goes, no, 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 actually they don't value it. And then it dawned on me and I said, yeah, you know what, you're right. There's a difference between having a said faith and a real faith. You can say you value something, but all I got to do is follow you around, and I can see by your priorities and practices whether or not you value those things. Say, you see, the things that we value, we, it's right there on your notes. The things we value, we prioritize, and the things we prioritize, we practice. Your practices betray you. Believe me, you will always make room for those things that are the most important to you. So you can say it's important to you, but not until it really is important to you, then you're going to see it as a priority and a practice in your life. So don't beat yourself up over the fact that maybe you're not 
disciplined in spiritual disciplines, what you need to do is, man, you need to fall in love with Jesus. You need to see the value of it. You need to see that intimacy with him is life's most satisfying reality. If you don't believe that, you're not gonna spend much time uh, as you see with Daniel here. There was not anything that would interfere with his time alone with God. Put me in the lion's den. I'm not disconnecting from him. It's life or death for me. See, that's the attitude that we all should have. And it was, it was habitual for him. Here's the next one, it was healthy. It was a balance, balance between bringing your list and love to God. Look at verse 11, here you got his list. Making petition and plea means intercession. So petition, intercession for himself and his people. Note in verse 10, his windows were open toward Jerusalem, which means he was thinking of the needs of his people. His prayer is not self-centered. I mean, this is all about doing business with God. Petition and intercession. This is all about doing business with God. That's bringing our list to God, but it can't stop there. You also want to bring your love to God. Look at verse 10. Gave thanks. He gave thanks before his God. This is thanksgiving. This is adoration. This is praise. This is about being with God. So doing business with God, being with God. It is absolutely amazing that we can do business with God. God governs the world through the prayers of his people. James 5:16. it says, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Prayer makes things happen that otherwise wouldn't happen if we didn't pray. Listen, when you pray, you can make things happen in people's lives that otherwise wouldn't happen. That's doing business with God. He will use you to have an impact in other people's lives through prayer. Powerful, that's what Daniel's doing. But don't stop there. The fuel comes with being with God. I mean, it's amazing that we could be used by God to touch other people's lives through prayer, but it's even more amazing that we can be with God enjoying His presence. It is our highest privilege and deepest pleasure. It is the key to happiness and holiness or wholeness. It's being with Him. It's enjoying Him. I'm telling you, if you're not doing it, you're missing out. You're missing out on life's most satisfying reality. And, um, and so, habitual, healthy, and humble, realizing how little I deserve and how much I have received. That's that next fill in the blank on your notes. Look at verse 10 once again. So his windows are open toward Jerusalem, and he's getting down on his knees. That was an acknowledgement that he was a sinner in need of mercy and atonement, that was provided through the temple and sacrificial system. Now, we know that Jesus in John 4 explained that the temple was a picture of his work of sacrifice. So when you look at the cross, when you think about the cross, Christ's sacrifice on the cross was both indispensable and terribly costly. That puts really high value to it. Indispensable, listen, there was no other way that you could be reconciled to God. The Bible tells us that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. We're separated from God because of our sin. And there's not one thing you can do to bridge the gap that separates you from God. But God, through his son Jesus, he sent his son Jesus to come and bridge that gap for us to reconcile us to God. So here's the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God has reconciled us to himself by sending his son to die in our place for our sins. And all who repent and believe in him have everlasting life. 
a life unlike you could ever experience apart from Christ. Absolutely amazing. And, and, and so it's indispensable. There's no other way we can be reconciled to God. And it's terribly costly. What did it cost God to reconcile us to himself? The God of galaxies came to this earth and bled and died in your place. That's what it cost him. Never to be taken for granted. When you understand the weightiness of that, that you and I were more sinful than we ever dared to think. We were so sinful, Jesus had to die for us. It humbles you. And, and, and you don't take it for granted. You realize, oh my goodness, the very fact that I can approach the throne of grace, that I can have relationship with God, it's blood bought. So you humble yourself and you don't take it for granted and you want it as often as you can get it. You want to walk with him and enjoy him and experience all the privilege and the potential and the promises that brings into your life. I believe our prayerlessness comes from our pridefulness that comes from our forgetfulness of how indispensable and costly our relationship to God is. Man, you do not want to take it for granted. Man, you want to walk with him daily. It's yours. And that's not based on your performance or record. It's based on his performance and record. Your bad performance and record was placed on the cross. You're right with God through Jesus Christ. You have access into the throne room of God 24-7. Unbelievable. I love it. Okay, so that's spiritual disciplines. Godly character equals spiritual disciplines plus the work of the Holy Spirit. I need to roll here, okay, because we, gotta, we, got, we, got, we had one last night, one this morning. We got a whole slew of them on the next service, so I can go a little longer in this service. Okay. All, all three of us agree on that one. <laughs> go ahead and lock the doors right now. Okay. This next part is really important, so we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, look at Daniel chapter uh, 6, verse 3. Daniel was distinguished above all others because an excellent spirit was in, in him. I believe this is the Holy Spirit. It's a word that's used for the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. In Daniel chapter 4, verses 8, 9, and 18, the ungodly people around him didn't know, they couldn't really put it into words, but this is in their words. They say, he, Daniel, has the spirit of the holy gods. That's the Holy Spirit. That's an unbeliever looking at our lives and going, there's something different about you. And it's, it's the Holy Spirit. In Daniel chapter 5, verse 11 and 14, it says that he had the spirit of the holy gods. Once again, from unbelievers looking into his life. Verse 12, he has an excellent spirit. So here's the big question. How is the ministry of the Holy Spirit different in the Old Testament versus the New Testament? Do you have four hours? Okay, it doesn't take that much time. I'm going to give it to you in about five seconds here. John 14, 17, Jesus helped us to understand that. He's talking to his disciples, and this is what he says. John 14, 17, you know him, the Holy Spirit, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So before Pentecost, before the cross, he was with believers, and he, in fact, he empowered believers and kings and leaders and judges. You can read about that in the Old Testament. He was with them as he's with Daniel, but now, guess what? He's in us. He came to dwell within us. In fact, uh, Romans 8, 11, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, 
then the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will make alive your mortal bodies. He will bring life to you unlike you could ever experience. Now here's what's fascinating about this story. Is at the end of this ordeal, by the way, have you guys noticed the difference between uh, King Darius and his response to Daniel being put in the lion's den versus uh, Daniel's response to being actually in the lion's den? Did you notice that uh, Darius is quite anxious? Did you guys see that in the story? This is one stressed out dude, man. He can't sleep. He's not even in the lion's den, but he, he has a love for his friend. His friend has captured his heart, and uh, he just has this love for his friend, and, and so he's anxious, through the roof anxious, anxiety, worry, stress, and Daniel's like, bring it on. It's because of his character, because of his connection with God. And when Daniel comes out of the lion's den, the king Darius is lit up for the glory of God. And this is what he writes. We didn't read this, but I'm going to read through this. And in this, there's three characteristics that he sees in Daniel. By the way, he knows that Daniel's not the hero of the story. We tend to make Daniel the hero of the story. He knows that it's Daniel's God is the hero of the story. Listen to what he says here. And the first thing that he talks about is the peace of God. That's your next fill in the blank. This is what we have in the Holy Spirit. We have the peace of God. King Darius, verse 25, Look, at, look in your Bibles there. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that all my royal dominion, my, I, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. That's what he's saying. By the way, the peace of God is confidence in his loving, wise control of our life. And if you fear God, you will fear nothing or no one else. That's what he's saying here. And you will have his peace multiplied to you. Here's the next one. We've got the presence of God. Look at verse 26. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. This is, this is a king who's encountered the Daniel's God. We have the presence of God. So we have the peace of God. We have the presence of God. He's a living God. We can interact with him. We can know him. We can experience him. And then we have the power of God. Look at verse 27. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So we have the, the peace of God that helps us to overcome anxiety, worry, and stress. We have the presence of God that helps us to overcome loneliness and dissatisfaction and restlessness. And we have the power of God to help us overcome weakness and helplessness and hopelessness. I was thinking about this verse this last week, Romans 5.20. So, okay, I want spiritual... I want spiritual formation. I need godly character. I'm practicing the disciplines necessary for that. But believe me, you need the Holy Spirit to light those spiritual disciplines up in your heart and to realize that you always have his peace. You always have his presence. You always have his power. This verse, it says in Romans 5.20, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. There is no sin or suffering that is a match for God's redemption redeeming, restoring grace through the work of His Holy Spirit in our lives. If you're a child of God, you are never without God's peace, presence, and power regardless of what you think or feel, regardless of your circumstances. Listen to me. Listen. 
Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you feel, we do not live by, by feelings. We live by faith, not by feelings, not by sight. It tells us that in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We live by faith and not by sight. What does that mean? I always, I always can experience his peace, his presence, his power in all circumstances of my life. So you can memorize scripture. You need to get a hold of it in your mind, in your head, but it's the Holy Spirit that lights it up in our hearts. Spiritual disciplines makes the truth clear to our minds. Holy Spirit makes the truth real to our hearts. That's what we need. We need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So when I study God's word, I pray, oh Holy Spirit, Make this real to my heart, more real to me than anything I'm facing, anything I'm encountering. So godly character, spiritual disciplines plus Holy Spirit. Oh, here it is, suffering. And so in verses 11 through 13, Daniel's deceitful foes cheerfully report to the king Daniel's insubordination of this degree. And then the king, when he heard these words, was terribly distressed, it says, much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. He's doing everything he can deliver him, and these guys hold him to it, and they say, nope, he's got to go in. He's got to go in the, in the lion's den. Here's your next fill in the blank. Don't be surprised when you're persecuted for your godly life. That's Daniel. So the king loves him, but his perpetrators, these guys that are his subordinates, despise him and are trying to take him down. Don't be surprised. Indeed, all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 2 Timothy 3.12. Now, if no one hates you, then you're probably too nice and maybe a coward, okay? Just shooting straight with you. If everyone hates you, you're too combative and harsh and overbearing. Just shooting straight with you. So there should be people you know, that don't like you, there should be people that do like you. Kind of navigate that through the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't be surprised when you are persecuted for your godly character. And then at verse uh, 16, then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. Notice what the king says. He uses this language. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually. And then uh, may your... May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you is what he says. Great statement there. And then the king goes back to his place, and he's fasting all night. He, has, uh, he can't sleep. And then the next morning, it says that he comes to the den, in a, and he has this. He cries out in a tone of anguish. That's verse 20. And he declared to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, there it is again, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Here's your next fill in the blank. Your consistency and spiritual disciplines, intimacy with God will deliver you from the lions. Now, I'll, I'll let you study a lot of this on your own. There's a lot of verses here. Walk through the growing notes, go back and listen to the message again. But this is not a promise that you won't suffer, but that in your suffering, it won't make you bitter, it will make you better, stronger, wiser, deeper in your relationship with God so that you can shine even brighter in this dark and hostile world. Now here's what I've seen in, in my own personal lion's dens. 
is that God will either deliver you from the lion's den, he can keep you out of those lion's dens, or in the lion's dens, as we see with Daniel, or through the lion's dens. He could have let Daniel be devoured, as he did with many first century Christians when they were thrown to the lions. Have you read the stories? Hebrews 11 says that there were people that were taken out through persecution, but they were doing it as they were praising God in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And people were so intrigued by how they suffered well in the midst of the lion dens. As they were being torn apart, they gave glory to God. And many of them followed them into the lion's dens. My wife sent me this message this morning because we don't talk personally. She just sends me text messages. <laughs> and uh, she said this, the people who walk in love and joy while they're being mistreated by people make Jesus look attractive. That's Daniel. That's what I want to be. The people who walk in love and joy while they're being mistreated by people make Jesus look attractive. Here's the next point. And so it says, verse 23, that it was because he trusted God. That's how he was able to endure the lion's den. Verse 23, it's not the strength or the size, but the object of your faith that saves you. Get to know the object of your faith, Christ, and your faith will grow. So you have weak faith? Man, get to know him. Walk with him. Get to know him. Love him. I'll let you read the next part of it. I'll just give you the fill in the blanks. This is based on verse 24. God will balance the book, settle the score, and make things right. This is a foreshadowing of the final judgment, and you're going to see in this story deliverance for those who know Daniel's God and destruction for those who reject Daniel's God. Those that persecuted Daniel, they are destroyed. They're taken out. You can read that on your own. Here's the last point. Jesus is the true and greater Daniel who went to the ultimate lion's den for us, the cross, so that we could endure the smaller lion's den with him and for him. Jesus is the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the whole Bible. Jesus is the hero of our stories. And so Jesus is the hero of the stories of those who are getting baptized this weekend. And we're really excited about this weekend. Many people making a public declaration of their faith in Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? If you've never committed your life to Jesus, this would be a good time to do that. You acknowledge your sin that separates you from God. You believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins. And you commit your life to him. You give your life to him so that you will live the rest of your life for him and for his glory. As we saw in Daniel and in this story, Lord, we're thankful for your, your love. We're thankful for the gospel, the good news of the true story of God through Jesus Christ coming from heaven to earth to conquer sin, death, and evil through his death, burial, and resurrection so that all who repent and believe in him have everlasting life. I pray that if there's any person this weekend that hears these words and they've never made a confession of faith to you, that they would do it this weekend. Lord, work in their hearts and lives. Thank you, Jesus, for going into the ultimate lion's den for us so that we could endure the smaller lion's dens of life with you and for you. I pray for those that are going right now in those lion's dens. Lord, I pray that you would bring your, your peace and your presence and your power upon them. Strengthen them. 
And God, we pray that this would be a defining moment for all this weekend who are making a public declaration of their faith in the substitutionary death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' beautiful name. And everyone said, amen. Here we go.